Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, we've got changes coming to the NHL All-Star Skills Competition. Craig Berube is out in St. Louis. What's next for the Blues? And joining us from Washington is team site editor Sammy Sober on why Alex Ovechkin can't score anymore. I'm Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trakos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. Welcome to the Hockey News pregame show. Ryan, how you doing today? Pretty good. Let's get into it. Yeah, we've got a lot to get into this week, and let's start it with something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, NHL made some dramatic changes to the All-Star Skills Competition, and normally I would kind of just roll my eyes going, all right, good try, guys. This is not going to work, but this time I'm intrigued. I don't know about you. I am too. I, I didn't mind some of the stunt events of the past, but... Having sat through the actual broadcast, like being at the arena, mm-hmm. sitting through the broadcast, last year in Florida was painful. And the right. NHL's recognized that and they've changed it. Feels like this one's more streamlined and a, a total different format, which is pretty fun. Well, let's get right into it. A uh, million dollars is up for grab. Mm. We're talking um, 12 players are going to be invited to participate. Um, to start off with, there's going to be six events. Um, players are going to choose which of the four of the six events they're going to choose. These, those six events include uh, fastest skater, hardest shot, stick handling, one-timer. That's a new one. Passing challenge, and Cheetos NHL accuracy uh, shooting. Uh, <laughs> we love that title. Um, the top eight players will advance to a seventh event, which will be a shootout. Ooh. Um, Connor McDavid is already on record um, saying he approves this. Apparently the NHL went to Connor and said, hey, we need you on board. Totally. What what do you like about this and what can we do? So this is less jokey, less gimmicky, and more just, you know, I always say hockey players are some of the most skilled players in the world. What they're not are some of the funniest players in the world. Right. So when you ask them to do comedy and dress up and stuff like that, it can be a little hit or miss. Totally. More miss. This time we're saying, hey, if you're Connor McDavid, skate around, stick handle, yeah. <laughs> one Do time what a you're puck. Best at. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're just going to be floored uh, by the skill on display. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm definitely intrigued. I, I think too. Initially, I was like, oh, you don't get all the all stars participating in it, but that's okay because I mean, some guys are at the game because they're having great seasons. They they might not necessarily have a really flashy skill and. It did feel like sometimes they were shoehorning guys into roles. So now it's like, let's just cut to the chase, you know, get the superstars in there, get the flashy players in there, the stuff that translates well on TV and in the arena. And I think making it a competition's great. I mean, a million dollars, 
Yeah. That's not nothing. And uh, these are things that we're going to see in a game, like yes. a one-timer. That's that's a skill that uh, you see totally. that all the time. And I can just picture, like, Alex Ovechkin going against Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know who else you'd put in that category that you'd want to see taking one-timers, but yeah. that's a legit skill that, you know, it translates to scoring championships. Certainly. And, you know, when you look at this now, I'm already thinking, like, okay, well, who are some of the top guys and how strategic would they be? You know, like you mentioned Ovechkin, if he's there, he's probably not going to be fastest skater. No. But, you know, we definitely want to see McDavid there. Kale McCarr with Colorado. I mean, there's a guy that he could do basically any of the six and be in the mix to win it. Nathan McKinnon, to me, also of the Avs, that's another intriguing name because he's fast, but he's also really powerful. So right. it's like, like, I don't know how hard his shot is. He's probably great at one-timers, probably great at accuracy. He's probably great at everything, right? Probably great at everything, for that matter. Uh, Matt Barzell's another name that I think could be really intriguing because, you know, playing on the Islanders, that's like a very team-focused you know, you know focused effort there, mm-hmm. very structured. But we know Matt Barzell has a ton of skill, and he's a great playmaker. So what could he do there? Do we see... Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes in the competition. Uh, this is a good time in the NHL for this particular um, format, I think. And you say a good time because, what, we've never seen this much skill on display? I think it's a great combination of guys that are in their prime with that skill. So you're talking about the McDavid's, the Hughes brothers, Austin Matthews. You know, We were talking beforehand, the game is in Toronto. How many Leafs do we see? Because Mitch Marner would be great in this competition, but mm-hmm. so would William Nylander. Do you see all three of those guys? It's pretty intriguing. And then, like I say, you know, Makar in his prime. You know, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, you know, Nikita Kucherov could win the heart this year. There's another guy that has tons of great skill. Right. And could be great whether it's shooting or passing. You know, lots of options there. It's very yeah. intriguing. Yeah, because in past All-Star skills competitions, we'd see, like, okay, uh, hardest shot, we're going, okay, it's either going to be Chara. If right. it's not Chara, it's probably going to be either Shea Weber. Shea Weber, and if not him, it's Alex Ovechkin. It's almost like one-trick ponies. Mm. And then fastest skater, it's like, okay, it's either going to be McDavid or maybe a guy like Barzell or Dylan Larkin right. or someone like that. Now it's kind of like, okay, you, you can't just be the fastest skater. You yeah. also got to be and, – and that's why I think it's going to be interesting is, like, okay, if you're Austin Matthews, do you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go hardest shot, or am I more accurate shoot, shooting, um, maybe one-timer, yep. uh, stick handling? Yep. Obviously, some guys can just do it all. Yep. Um, but like you mentioned with the, the Hughes brothers, um, there's going to be a little just kind of, I think as fans, we're kind of wondering, okay, which of the 12 are we going to see, and what are they going to pick? Indeed. And I, I do think this is also an opportunity. I've always been one to say, like, like, I know it's kind of merit-based for the most part, like who goes to the All-Star game, but I feel there are certain players that should, like, always be there. Right. You know, like, Patrick Kane in his prime, I would always want him to be at the game, you know, because of the skill sets he had. Like a Trevor Zegris right now, to me, it's like I always want to see him at the All-Star game because you, you mentioned, you know, like the comedy doesn't work so well, um, but when you get to that shootout... I still want to see some cool moves. It, right. I, I don't want to see the skits like we did in the past couple of years, but a guy like Trevor Zegers, like I want to see what he comes up with. Yeah, this seems more aligned with the NBA, and I and I also I forgot about 
uh, the final event. So mm -hmm. top of the 12, the top eight will advance to the seventh event, which is the shootout. And I hope this doesn't get too complicated in terms of explaining it to the viewer True. as it's happening. And that's yeah. sometimes the disconnect is the NHL has these wild plans. And then it's just like, people are like, what team is what? How many points they got? Right. Oh, what are we doing now? How are the goalies involved? But basically, yeah, top 12, um, sorry, of the 12, top eight will advance to uh, a shootout. Yeah. After that, the top six will go to the final event, which is an obstacle course challenge, yes. which again, this, uh, I remember like years ago, the NHL kind of did an obstacle course with cones and they had to pass through those little tiny nets. I yes. love those little tiny nets. I don't know where you buy them, but uh, I would <laughs> love to custom. have a couple. Yeah, I just love <laughs> watching, uh, I remember like Roman Yossi's saucer passes into that net and it just, it looks so hard. Yes, and I remember talking to All-Stars around that time. I think Bobby Ryan in particular was saying, like, that's really hard to do. Like, that's, oh, the that mini translates nets, to how yeah, hard it is. The mini nets was the one that the players respected the most. They were like, guys that can do that, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, so this is a closer to what the NBA does in terms of, you know, NBA, I know they do a little entertainment in the sense that the dunk competition isn't just you're just dribbling down and dunking it. Right. They have a little fun with that, but at the same time, it is skill-based. Mm. The three-point challenge is skill-based. So I think this, watching, I think we're going to be just floored watching like a McDavid go through the obstacle course and be like, oh my God, how is he going through those pylons? And, yeah. you know, you've seen those videos of McDavid at the... Power Edge Pro Hockey, right. um, doing the obstacle course there, and it looks amazing, doesn't it? It does, and you know, I always thought you know the NHL has a bit of a disadvantage from the NBA because you can do awesome slam dunks because there's nobody defending. Whereas when you went to the NHL, you do these breakaway challenges and these shooter challenges. You had to have a goalie in there, and so you could make a great move and you could miss. The goalie could save it, like. There was a, it was a bit tougher, you know? Um, so it, it's cool that they're bringing in a lot of skills that are just individual and you, get, you still get the shootout and it'll be important because it'll help you get to that final round. But I think it's, it's gonna translate better. I'm, I'm definitely optimistic. And a million dollars is enough of a prize, enough of a carrot to kind of dangle there. Totally. Yeah, I, I think it's enough that, it, I think. yeah, like nobody's going to turn down a million dollars, even, I, even I, NHL players. <laughs> no. Uh, before we go, um, do you have a favorite? Who, who do you think is going to win or who do you want to see? I, I want to see Nathan McKinnon. I think, okay. that, I think he's kind of a sneaky good one just because of the different skill sets and, you know, power that he brings to the game. I'm going Jack Hughes. Um, oh, yeah. When I'm talking about buy-in, I, I kind of figure, like, or think this is the one of those ones where I think Jack Hughes wants to be the guy. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good call. So I, maybe not for the hardest shot. Maybe not. <laughs> but, shoot, but accuracy, passing, all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Big news this week is the St. Louis Blues parted ways, i.e. fired. <laughs> Coach Craig Berube, he won a Stanley Cup with them. But what has he done for them lately? The Blues uh, struggling. Drew Bannister, now the interim head coach. Uh, that certainly could could change, uh, GM Doug Armstrong said. That they're not going to necessarily wait the entire year. Mm -hmm. um, but Mike, just initial thoughts on the Berube ouster. Yeah, it was obviously a difficult move. Um, Berube and Armstrong are uh, very close. Um, that whole city 
loves Brube. Yeah. And you got to think, Ryan, like when he came in to coach the Blues, um, it was around the same time, I guess, as like a Jordan Binnington came in and very much was the catalyst for St. Louis, you know, coming from like the worst team in the league at the time to winning a Stanley Cup and the first ever Stanley Cup for a St. Louis Blues team that had waited so long. So yeah. um, this was not an easy decision. Um, I think very much uh, this was kind of a last resort. And when you look at the standings where the Blues are, you know, they're only, I'm going to point out of the wildcard spot. Mm-hmm. So there's time to salvage the season. This isn't like, hey, we made a move, but uh, good luck, Bannister. You're not going to do anything. Right. Um, I, st- I, I still think the Blues are going to make the playoffs because... You know, when I look at that central division, I, I still think there's a spot for the Blues. But yeah, um, it's very top heavy. That being said, like with the way Winnipeg's going, the way that Arizona's going, it ain't easy. That's true. I mean, they're going to have to fight for it. We'll talk about Winnipeg in a second, but uh, you make a very interesting point. They're, they're not out of it, and uh, I, I do wonder what kind of bounce they they get in the early Bannister days. Um, you know, when you look at St. Louis, this is going to kind of be their roster. You know, like th- right. this is not a team where you can say, okay, well, maybe they trade some guys and things like that because they got a lot of no trade clauses. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of veterans on longer term contracts. So I don't see a lot of movement necessarily. This, this does really feel like it has to be internal. Yeah, and the guys you're looking at are probably like, a Robert Thomas, a Jordan Cairo. Um, they're your present and future. They're signed such long-term deals yeah. that you really, it has to work with them. And it was really interesting to see Jordan Cairo um, getting booed by the fans yeah. because of a no comment on the coach, um, on coach uh, Berube right. getting fired. And that just tells you how popular Berube is. Mm. But it also tells you the pressure that a guy like Cairo is because he was reduced to tears in the post-game um, availability afterwards. So, yeah, ultimately, if St. Louis makes it, it's going to come down to Bennington, obviously, and net. But I think guys like Kairou and Thomas are really going to have to carry the load, and we'll see what they can do. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, Kairou cleared up his comments. He wasn't trying to you know, throw anyone under the bus. Throw under the bus. He was sort of saying he was just trying to focus at the time, uh, and that he did learn a lot from Berube. But you know, we mentioned Winnipeg as one of those teams in the Central that uh, has definitely played, I think, better than a lot of people expected. Now, they got some bad news. Kyle Connor out uh, for a considerable amount of time uh, due to that knee-on-knee collision uh, with Strom. But Winnipeg's still playing really well. Is it time to finally put some respect on the <laughs> Jets' name? I mean, this is, this is not a flash in the pan this year. They, they continue to keep going. And the way they're going, I, I know Kyle Connor is a 40-goal scorer. At his worst, he's probably a 30-goal scorer. Right. So you're losing a ton of offense when Kyle Connor goes out. Mm. But you look at how the Jets are winning. No team has allowed fewer goals five-on-five five this year than Winnipeg. Wow. So that's a testament to not only Connor Hellebuck, who the Jets were wise to not let go right. uh, this offseason, but also to just the structure of this team. And Rick Bonus has these guys playing defensive hockey to a T. So yeah. you're losing your top gun in uh, Kyle Connor, but you still have Shifley. you got Ehlers. Um, you've got Cole Perfetti still up front. Yep. But you've got a team that just knows how to clamp down and shut it down. Yeah. And how about that Gabe Velarde revenge game uh, <laughs> against Los Angeles the other night? Pretty good for him. I'm just happy he's healthy. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, honestly, like Villardi, that's that's been his big problem ever since he was in juniors. He had some some injury woes. So I mean, good on the Jets in that Dubois trade to get back somebody like Villardi who had so much potential. And speaking of potential, it's World Junior time, and Mike, you know I'm excited about that. Canada announced their roster this week. I was actually at the camp for the final day when they played the U Sports All-Stars, and uh, it's going to be an exciting one. Yeah, any surprises that kind of stood out for you? Well, you know, the one name that people are are mentioning a lot is Jagger Furcus, a.k.a. the Furcus Circus from the Musha Warriors. Tearing it up in the dub this year. He is. He's a Seattle Kraken pick, uh, obviously a high score. Uh, For me, I, I just don't think he did enough in camp, and, you know, it is a meritocracy when, when things come down to it, when you have so many talented players vying for essentially 23 slots, and you know, particularly with Canada, there's going to be offensive firepower. Right. So, you know, the other surprise in camp was, on a positive side was Owen Allard, who is undrafted, which is pretty rare for Team Canada uh, for a 19-year-old. But here's a kid... Six foot two, 200 pounds, you know, plays a heavy game, plays a defensive game as a forward. So more of a defined role there. And I think that really carried him through where when I saw Allard play, it's like, okay, I get it. He's getting pucks out of the defensive zone. You know, he has offense as well. He's a point per game player for the Sioux Greyhounds. But he was playing that 200 foot game. And I think that really helped his cause. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when, you know, Frederick Goche was a world junior. Um, and it was like, this is our number three center. Yes. He's just going to win faceoffs. He might like um, defensive zone faceoffs. Right. We're going to throw him on the ice. Big he body. ain't scoring at all. Yeah, that's what like, McDavid and Sam Reinhardt are for. Yeah, so it kind of makes sense that you'd have a guy that you don't have to convince, like, hey, this is the role you're playing. Yeah. And I imagine there's going to be a lot of firepower. One of the guys that I wanted to hear what you thought of his camp was Macklin Celebrini. And, you know, whether this guy who's going into um, next year's draft as mm-hmm. the number one prospect can do what Connor Bedard did. I think it's going to be pretty close. And yeah, Max Alabrini is the number one prospect for the 2024 NHL draft. So all eyes are going to be on him for the rest of the season. He's been amazing for Boston University in the NCAA. But again, when I was there on Wednesday, I would say like, 80% of the offense went through Celebrini. Oh, really? Like, he was incredible. <laughs> what I liked the most is he was putting passes to his line mates where they were supposed to be. Like, oh. he was leading them into those scoring areas, and he had a wicked goal himself. So he can dish, he can shoot himself and score. Um, I don't think overall this is going to be an incredibly dynamic Team Canada, it's not going to be like last year where, you know, on top of Bedard, you had like Dylan Gunther and you had Shane Wright and you Mm -hmm. had, you know, Brant Clark on the back end. It's not going to be that dynamic, but they're going to be a very solid group. Celebrini, to me, is that guy where if you need a goal in the last minute, he's the one that's going to make it happen. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited for that. We're joined by Washington Capitals team site editor, Sammy Silber. How are you doing there, Sammy? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, interesting times for the Capitals. They're still in the playoff mix, and yet Alex Ovechkin has gone, what, 11 games without a goal now? How do we, how do we uh, square that away? It's, it's strange. I think... When you watch him play, the chances are still very much 
there. His expected goals are still high. He's getting his shots. They're just not dropping. And I think if you look at the underlying issues, there's there's not a lot. I mean, he he's still getting those chances. His shot is still fast. All of that is still good to go. But um, you look at the shooting percentage, it's at 5.3 career low for him. Um and it's just a matter of, you know, it, it's not it's not just on him. I think offense for the entire team is down. Um, so you throw that in, you contribute that. Um, and you also have things like the power play isn't working. And, you know, that's his bread and butter. And, you know, Nicholas Backstrom is no longer with the team right now. And that takes a toll in its own way. And I think that there's a lot of mitigating factors um, not necessarily one that you can single out. Um, but I've been advised by the players to um, never bet against the big man is what they say. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's the longest goal drive of his career. Um, obviously, a lot of pressure on his shoulders right now, too, with the record. So, um, yeah, it's just it, it's a tough time in the scoring department. But, you know, sometimes all it takes is one game. There you go. Very interesting year so far for the Caps because, as you mentioned, the offense isn't what we expected, but defensively, they've been a lot better than, than I think I anticipated. What has Spencer Carberry, as head coach, meant to this Washington squad? He's meant a lot. I think that the team, obviously, after missing, when you miss the playoffs for the first time, you know, in nearly a decade, right? And you get a new voice. He's a young voice. He's new. He brought in a whole new staff. Um, and he has high energy. And that energy is just contagious. Um, no matter which way you you put it, you know, he pushes his players to have pace in every single practice and every single game. Um, and, and the players love it. They feed off of it. Um, and especially when you have a veteran group like that, that, that needs that energy, that needs that push. Um, and obviously, I mean, he's had a lot of success. He's had history with the organization. He played, you know, played in South Carolina way back when and, you know, coached in Hershey. And now he's back after a couple of really good years as an assistant in Toronto. So I think that just the contagious energy and, you know, the passion that he has for the game, I mean, that that spreads, you know, as a player, you want that kind of presence. So um, he, he's been a lot. And yeah, like the first was the start, the cleanest this season. No, but you're going to adjust to systems, right? You're going to adjust to, you have Laviolette for three years. So it's going to take a second to kind of get into the, you know, feel of it. And I think now the caps are just really feeling it. They're playing with confidence. They're nailing the systems. Um, and it's, it's paying off big time. Yeah, it hasn't been just all positivity. This isn't like Ted Lasso going into Washington, Ryan. Right, right. <laughs> like a uh, guy like Evgeny Kuznetsov. Uh, he's been in the doghouse. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was going into, what, his thir- 700th game when he was made a healthy scratch. So I imagine that had like big, a huge impact throughout the entire roster. What can you tell me about that? And what, what was the reaction from uh, Kuznetsov after, you know, basically being undressed in that sense? Yeah, I think it's tough. It's tough for a player, especially one like Kuznetsov, who's played a very long time in this league. And you look at the scratch and the situation, just his play just wasn't where Carberry or the team really thought it was supposed to be. Kuznetsov agreed. Did he agree with the scratch? No. But he did say he agreed that, you know, maybe the play wasn't up to par and, 
you know, the consistency that, you know, he he's had in his career has shown because when he's on, he's on, right? Like he's an all-star kind of player. So I think when you see that happening with a guy like Kuznetsov and the way Carberry put it was he's been the routine of being in the lineup every single night. Um, and when you're a player and you're in that routine like that, it can kind of, you can kind of lose, you know, track of, okay, like this is just night and day for me. Sometimes you need to take a step back and look and reset and be like, oh, you know, this is what was wrong with my game. This is what I wasn't feeling with my game. So um, for Kuznetsov, I think it was very difficult. The conversation Carberry said wasn't an easy conversation. Kuznetsov, obviously, I mean, he used expletives to describe how, how he felt about it, but, um, you know, he's come back and, you know, obviously sick, you know, last game uh, still was feeling sick uh, when he took the ice for the optional yesterday, but um, it, it's just, it's just a wait and see situation at, at this point for Kuznetsov to see if the consistency is going to stick, you know, um, but it, it's, it's been a rough start. I don't think it's been the start that he's wanted. Um, but again, it goes back to the offense being down as a whole. Um, so, so we have to wait with Kuznetsov and, and see if, you know, he turns it on here. Uh, Sammy, I wanted to ask you an off ice question right now. Big news coming out of uh, Washington that they're looking into a new arena in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, which is obviously uh, very close to DC, just across the, the river. Um, what's sort of the initial reaction from, from Caps fans and, and people in Washington about this potential move? Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think a lot of fans aren't necessarily thrilled um, with the move. I think that it, you know, DC and, you know, Gallery Place has been such a staple for the caps right it's been home of the caps since 1997 when it was still mci center and then verizon center and then capital one um i do know that this has been like a conversation that's been going on for a long time so it's it's nothing new um but i do think that it's um a little difficult for fans especially because you know dc for so many people who live in maryland dc is you know a trip out. And then when you extend that to the Alexandria area, right. And you're at, and you know, it may not seem like the longest move. I think it's like 5.7 miles, but you know, there's traffic and then there's the extra Metro stops and, you know, and for fans who have, you know, love DC, you know, and this team has been the heart of that community and the heart of gallery place for so long that moving it is like, Whoa, you know what I mean? So I think that, Mm -hmm um there there's mix i'm sure if fans live in virginia they're they're thrilled you know um right um i think if you live in in maryland or, or dc your views are going to be a bit skewed and i think you know for the fans that have been around longer you know since the 1997 um days um it, it's a little tougher to to take in for sure well you know what as as a media member i'm not a fan of this because i love the location yeah um Love going to the Irish Channel oh, and yeah. then going to the game and then after the game, uh, going back to the Irish Channel, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the greatest kind of sports pubs. Um, oh. Also, what steps away from Chinatown, which is like try to find a bad meal there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, another off season or off ice move. Um, there's rumblings that the Capitals are about to land Ethan Bear. Um, we thought he was going to go to 
Vancouver. It looks like all signs are pointing to the Caps. Uh, what would Bear bring to this defense? And is this the right move, you think? Yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting move. Um, I think that it's a it's a move that when you look at the schematics of it is very interesting for the Capitals. Um, this team has had, I mean, you look at the, you know, Rasmus Sandin trade last year, right? Um, you look at the Max Pacioretty signing, right? I mean, it's kind of something where the Caps are looking for a couple, I don't want to say reclamation projects because Bear, the only setbacks he's had is, you know, a shoulder injury. It's not like, you know, he had a terrible season and nobody's after him. He has a lot of suitors, you know, out there. So um, I think with Ethan Bear, he would he would bring a lot to the table. I think it's another young right-hand shot option for the Caps is a group that's obviously aging. Um, and eventually the veteran core is not going to be here and giving Bear a, a look of, okay, let's see what you can do. 26 years old, right-hand shot, adds depth, adds stability, um, adds, you know, defensive approach and can contribute offensively if he jumps up in the rush. Um, it will, it will have an interesting effect. I mean, the Caps already have their three regulars on the right side. Um, and then you have Joel Edmondson, who came in this year on the left, um, and Nick Jensen and Trevor Van Riemsdyk round out that right behind Carlson. And then your two extras are Alexiev and Lucas Johansson, um, but they're both left-hand shots. So I think getting another righty um, is big and getting a young one who you can, you know, see in a sample size and see, okay, you know, can this be like a steady option for us to like round out a core with like Sandine, Faravari, um for the future? Or, you know, if not, you know, the deal shouldn't be a high risk deal, right? So I think it's a, it's a good move. It'll definitely have implications because the team is at the 23 man limit. So they'll have to make a move and assess how many cooks they have in the kitchen on D um, because I think Bear would be the the ninth blue liner that they'd be carrying so um, a lot there but I I think Cavs fans should be excited Um, I've I've watched him since his you know days coming up you know in Edmonton and he he brings a lot of stability and and uh, smarts to the game. Yeah, for a team that's right in the thick of the playoff hunt, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Listen, Sammy, appreciate you coming on um, and talking to us. Uh, after the break, we've got a new segment, Ryan. We do. Contender or Pretender. Join us after the break. The Hockey News pregame show returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. We got a new segment now called Contenders or Pretenders. And basically an up-down, do you believe in these particular topics? So the first one, contender or pretender? Florida's Sam Reinhart finishes in the top 10 in scoring this season. He's on a heater right now. Oh, I'm going very much pretender with a capital mm. P there, Ryan. 
Sam Reinhart, great year. He's a UFA. Um, so it's someone a great year for his agent, too. Yeah, someone is going to overpay for Sam Reinhart. His shooting percentage right now is 23.9%. Put that in perspective. David Pasternak, who has the same amount of goals, is at a 12%. So roughly double um, the percentage. So a lot of puck luck for Sam Reinhart. I think he ends up slipping out of the top 10, if not the top 20, by all, when all is said and done. Mm. I'm going to go pretender as well. I think he finishes in the top 20 because he's playing on a great line with Alexander Barkov and Evan Rodriguez. Uh, but I almost look at it in the sense that I think some guys are going to pass him. Like Jack yeah. Hughes missed a bunch of games due to injury. More points per game, that sort of thing. So I, I think some guys are going to pass him along the way. But like I say, great year for Sam Reinhart to, to have a, a UFA contract coming up. Next one, contender or pretender, Arizona makes the playoffs. Uh, again, I'm going pretender. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what the Coyotes are doing. Uh, this is great for the young team, yep. but this is a young team. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if the goaltending is going to carry them all the way through. And, you know, whenever you've got a young team, you get those you know, peaks and valleys. Right. So right now they are peaking, but we keep talking about it. Winnipeg is ahead of them. You know, St. Louis isn't going to go anywhere, and you still got Colorado. and Nashville's in there. Yeah, there's just a lot of teams. Dallas, um, I just don't see them. I don't see a scenario where they end up making it either as a top three team in the Central or as a wildcard team. Mm. I'm going to go contender on this one. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think because I want it to happen. Right. <laughs> and because there's no pressure on the Coyotes, there's still a team on the rise. If I look at Nashville and St. Louis... Those are two teams that I think expected to have more success this year. Maybe not so much St. Louis, but, uh, you know, Nashville made a lot of changes. And that Pacific is so weak that mm. I could certainly see it go three teams in the Pacific, five in the Central, oh, okay. just the way the points shake out. So I think there's a chance, and okay. I'm kind of holding on to that because I think it would be fun. All right, contender or pretender, Cam Talbot of the Los Angeles Kings, ends up a Vesna finalist. I think this one is a definite contender. Mm. Um, Cam Talbot has also been a goalie that you just never know what's going to happen year to year. Mm. I think this is the year that he's actually kind of put it together. More importantly, it's because of the team he plays on. You know, the Kings, we keep talking about it, how deep they are down the middle. They've got so many guys offensively that just think defense first. Mm -hmm. Great structured team. Perfect scenario for a guy like Cam Talbot. Yeah, and I also think it's fair to point out that... He's pulling his own weight there in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I always go back to the goals saved above expectations. Uh, and he's very good in that category. So it's not just that he's being insulated by the Kings, however they are. Uh, but Cam Talbot is actually playing very well. For me, uh, I'm going to go pretender on this one. Oh, really? Because I just, we're talking about three slots here, Yeah. right? To me, Thatcher Demko in Vancouver is the overwhelming favorite. Right, And again, if you go by goals save above expected, he is far and away the best goaltender in the NHL right now. And I look at what Jeremy Swayman's doing in Boston, and I look at Aiden Hill in, Las- in Vegas, there's going to be an odd man out. Yeah. Right? And I think Cam Talbot uh, certainly can be in that mix. But again, as an award that gets voted on, maybe, you know, Members of the media look at Talbot and say, well, you're playing in front of a great team, so you know it's much more impressive uh, that Demko's doing what he has. And, and, and who knows? We still have like half a season. Maybe an Elias Sorokin makes his way back up there. Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck as well in Winnipeg. So for that reason, I just think there's too many 
candidates. I'm going to go pretender. Uh, next one, contender, pretender. Pittsburgh, who have a crucial game tonight, remains a draft lottery team. Ooh. This might be the best thing for the Penguins. Maybe. To end up with a top three pick. Because, you know, if you want to make that slow transition, I think you're going to need some draft picks to yep. come along the way. This is a hard one. I'm going to say, so contender means that they are going to be <laughs> a top three. Correct. Or a draft Correct. Pick. Yes. I, I think they are going to be a draft lottery You team. think they'll be top three? <sighs> There's so many bad teams. How about top right. five? Okay, I'll give you top five. Yeah, I'm going to say top five. You're going to say top five? Yeah. I just, Ooh. that Metro, I guess it could change daily. Yeah. I'm just not sold on what the Penguins are doing. Yeah, I'm going to say pretender on this one because I, I think at the end of the season, a team that has Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Carlson cannot possibly be bad enough to be bottom five. If they're healthy. If they're healthy. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, final question of the segment. Contender or pretender? Alex Ovechkin does not lead the Caps in goal scoring. So I checked this out. Every single year that Washington has had Ovechkin, he's been their leading goal scorer. Mm. And I think only one year he wasn't their leading point getter. Right. Amazing, right? Totally. It's going to happen this year. He does not. So, yeah, he he will not lead Mm. the team in scoring. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Tom Wilson. It might be Dylan Strome. Yeah. Heck, it could be as Evgeny Kuznetsov, but the way that Ovechkin's going right now, you know, he's just an injury away from completely unraveling. Right. You know what? I'm with you. Right now, Tom Wilson has twice as many goals as Alex Ovechkin. Dylan Strom has even more. (laughs) Uh, So I just think, you know, I mean, those guys aren't going to stop scoring necessarily. Ryan, you know what time it is, right? El Fuego de Rapido. (laughs) Rapid fire. Producer Connor, hit us up with some questions. I appreciate Ryan being bilingual, or <laughs> trilingual, I guess, because I assume you have a little French. Eh, uh, eh, don't assume nothing. Roberto, <laughs> Roberto Luongo was added to the Canucks Ring of Honor this week, but his number was not retired. Should it have been? 100%. I mean, you look at the history of the Canucks, and you know they retired the Sedins jerseys, well done there, but how many other players mean that much more to Vancouver than Luongo. I know he spent a bunch of time in Florida as well, but, I mean, he got them a hair's width from a Stanley Cup championship, something the franchise still doesn't have. No, I agree 100% with you, Ryan. Like, just to go over it, the guys, uh, the Canucks have retired six players' jerseys. Pavel Bure, Stan Smeal, Trevor Linden, Marcus Naslin, and Bo Sedins. Can't argue with any of those picks, but Luongo deserves to be with that crowd. So, 100%, get him in there. All right. What did you think about Brady Kachuk being poke-checked by Pyotr Kachetkov? Who is right and who is in the wrong? This is tough because these are two of my favorite sons. And (laughs) uh, I I love Brady Kachuk. I love the passion he plays with. Uh, But Kachetkov, his job is to stop the puck. And he stopped the puck. So I got to go with Peter on this one. Brady, keep your head up. If if his head was up, all he had to do was just sidestep this Mm. poke-check. So... You know, next time Brady Kachuk's coming down on a shootout, I can guarantee his head will be straight up looking at whatever goaltender is there. Yeah. I agree with Ryan. Uh, nothing wrong with the poke check. I love it. It's old school. Totally. I want to see more of that kind of stuff. And for that matter, let's stack the pads. Let's, yes. let's go real old school here. There you go. All right. What all-star event is your favorite? Now, are we talking about traditional ones or ones that they've done like one-offs? Ooh. 
Let's go one-offs. Because <laughs> my favorite one-off is the one they did, I believe it was in St. Louis, where they were firing the puck from way up high oh, in there. the arena, yeah. and they had to hit the targets. I know the Kachucks were involved in that one yeah. uh, because it was like the little homecoming thing. That one was fun because it was like an out-there idea, but when you saw it in real life, you were like, oh, this is fun. Like I wanted to see how it would play out. Yeah, and they were using like special like road hockey pucks, I remember, for that too, mm-hmm. or, like yeah. orange ones or something, and yeah. Mitch Marner was involved in that. I like that one too. Uh, for me, you know what? I'm going real kind of old school, the traditional accuracy shot. With the styrofoam. With the styrofoam or yes. whatever those were, where it hit the target and it wasn't just like an LED screen. Right. It actually like Blew shattered. Up. Yeah. Totally. Let's see that. I, I, Ray Bork, I, I just can picture that where targets are just blasting away. Yep, I like that. Sammy Silber, our guest today, created a puck doku earlier this week. Do both of you play it? And if you do, What's your best uniqueness score? Mm, I do play Puck Doku. I believe I did the Sammy one this week. Uh, my best score ever was 22. Ooh. And it was actually Dom Lushishin, uh, former okay. intern with the Hockey News. It was his puzzle. Uh, so yeah, 22 was my best. Today I did 24, so. <sighs> Not yeah. bad. Shout out to Pete Peters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I gotta admit, I think the first Puck Doku I did was a couple weeks here uh, because you were doing one and I was like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Still new to this. I kind of like it though. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe because I'm a hockey nerd and uh, I I think I could do well at this. So, you know, ask me this again uh, in a couple weeks, uh, Connor, and I'll tell you my uniqueness score. Right now my uniqueness score is zero because I've never done a full score or a full (laughs) board as they call it. There you go. I, I also get mad when I get one wrong. Like Michelle Goulet apparently never scored 80 points in a Chicago jersey. And I was like, how is that possible? I guess he did all his great scoring with the Nordiques. Yeah, you're talking about a Montreal Canadian. I guess this is part of Sammy's one. Yeah. Someone played for the Habs who's also Swedish. Uh, yeah, I've been Sweden. racking my brain with that ever since you mentioned it. So. Yeah, Matt's Nasland and who else? I don't know. <laughs> no. Not a lot more. Uh, World Juniors, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Who is the biggest shock to be left off a World Juniors roster for you two? Yeah, so we just got Team USA's roster today. No James Hagens, who will be a top prospect for the 2025 draft. That's a little bit of a shock for me, although he is young. I'm actually going to go with Dom DiVincentis, who is a Winnipeg Jets prospect. Uh, he was at Canada's camp. I thought he was going to be their starting goaltender, but he did not have a good camp. And he got lit up on the last day. It's a meritocracy, so I get it, but I'm, I'm shocked that he kind of lost the crease. Was he that, uh, the, the USA player you mentioned, was he the only draft eligible player? Um, he was the youngest to make the final camp, but Zeve Booyam's there as well. Okay, so we still get some draft eligible guys yes. to kind of yeah. clamor over, as Booyam's I say. There, yeah. um, for me, Kevin Korczynski in Chicago. Um, the way Chicago's going, I think Korczynski could benefit from going to the World Juniors. Definitely Canada could benefit. Right. You can think. Like, they could have Connor Bedard and Fantilli on that roster. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to miss all three NHLers? Not good. Listen, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Uh, thank you to BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. This was the Hockey News pregame show. See you next time at the rink. <laughs>